Welcome to WMFA, a podcast about why and how we write. I'm Courtney Ballastier. Amidst the panic news scrolling and temperature checking, I'm still trying to figure out what contribution WMFA and specifically these minisodes, can best make as we continue to hunker down in quarantine. Usually, I talk here about the writing process and the emotional and mental challenges that can surround it. But, well, everything is an emotional and mental challenge right now. So, this is going to be a new process, another way of looking at writing and creative life, and I appreciate your patience as I, we, navigate it. My therapist recently recommended that I try a journaling practice again, for its personal and spiritual value, but also as a record of this extraordinary time. It didn't occur to me that I have been seeking all of this, personal and spiritual value, record-keeping, in another journal for quite some time now, that of Virginia Woolf. Woolf is one of my literary heroes, and over weeks, months maybe at this point, I've been reading A Writer's Diary, a collected volume of her journal entries. I've been reading it slowly, only in the early morning quiet, a few pages at a time, with my first cup of coffee. And so, today, I'd like to read a few entries that I think are especially fitting for our moment. They do not necessarily offer guidance or clarity. To me, they're more like reflections. Not the precise reflections you'd get from a mirror, but the looser ones you might get from the surface of a lake. These passages are all from 1940, during wartime. Not the same as a pandemic, of course, by any means, but with fear and uncertainty, a spirit of eerie unease that feels familiar enough to me, a careening between the abstract weight of the world and the daily work of writing. I love in particular her mention of reading the letters of Coleridge and Wordsworth, writers across time, taking solace in one another. The other day, the great arts consultant Beth Pickens suggested artists choose an artist, living or dead, and dedicate that day's practice to them. Virginia came to mind again. A worthy goal to try to add to this larger literary conversation in the weeks and months to come. Monday, May 13th. I admit to some content, some closing of a chapter and piece that comes with it from posting my proofs today. And this is uh, Roger Fry, a biography, which is a book that she published in 1940. I admit, because we're in the third day of, quote, the greatest battle in history. It began, here, with the 8 o'clock wireless announcing as I lay half asleep the invasion of Holland and Belgium, the third day of the Battle of Waterloo, apple blossom snowing the garden, a bowl lost in the pond, Churchill exhorting all men to stand together, quote, I have nothing to offer but blood and tears and sweat. These vast formless shapes further circulate. They aren't substances, but they make everything else minute. Duncan saw an air battle over Charleston, a silver pencil and a puff of smoke. Percy has seen the wounded arriving in their boots. So my little moment of peace comes in a yawning hollow. But though L says he has petrol in the garage for suicide should Hitler win, we go on. It's the vastness and the smallness that makes this possible. So intense are my feelings about Roger, yet the circumference, the war, seems to make a hoop round them. No, I can't get the odd incongruity of feeling intensely and at the same time knowing that there's no importance in that feeling. 
Or is there, as I sometimes think, more importance than ever? Wednesday, May 29th. But hope revives. I don't know why. A desperate battle. The Allies holding. How sick one gets of the phrase. How easy to make a Duff Cooper speech about valor and history where one knows the end of the sentence. Still, it cheers somehow. Poetry, as Tom said, is easier to write than prose. I could reel off patriotic speeches by the dozen. L has been in London. A great thunderstorm. I was walking on the marsh and thought it was the guns on the channel ports. Then, as they swerved, I conceived a raid on London, turned on the wireless, heard some prattler, and then the guns began to lighten. Then it rained. Began P.H., which is her notation for the manuscript that would become between the acts. Began P.H. again today and threshed and threshed till perhaps a little grain can be collected. I sent off my Walpole, too. After dinner, I began Sidney Smith. Plan being to keep short flights going. P.H. in between. Oh, yes. One can't plan anymore. A long book. H. Brace Cable that they have accepted Roger. Whom, which, I had almost forgotten. So that's a success, where I had been expecting failure. It can't be so bad as all that, 250 advance. But we shall, I suppose, certainly postpone. Reading masses of Coleridge and Wordsworth letters of a night, curiously untwisting and burrowing into that plated nest. Thursday, May 30th. Walking today, Nessa's birthday by Kingfisher Pool, saw my first hospital train, laden, not funereal but weighty, as if not to shake bones. Something, what is the word I want, grieving and tender and heavy laden and private, bringing our wounded back carefully through the green fields at which I suppose some looked, not that I could see them. And the faculty for seeing and imagination always leaves me so suffused with something partly visual, partly emotional, I can't, though it's very pervasive, Catch it when I come home. The slowness, cadaverousness, grief of the long, heavy train taking its burden through the fields. Very quietly it slid into the cutting it lose. Instantly, wild duck flights of aeroplanes came overhead, maneuvered, took up positions, and passed over Cavern. Sunday, June 9th. I will continue, but can I? The pressure of this battle wipes out London pretty quick. A gritting day. As sample of my present mood, I reflect. Capitulation will mean all Jews to be given up. Concentration camps. So, to our garage. That's behind correcting Roger, playing bowls. One taps any source of comfort. Lee Ashton at Charleston yesterday, for instance. But today, the line is bulging. Last night, airplanes over. Shafts of light following. I papered my windows. Another reflection. I don't want to go to bed at midday. This refers to the garage. What we dread, it's no exaggeration, is the news that the French government have left Paris. A kind of growl behind the cuckoos and to other birds. A furnace behind the sky. It struck me that one curious feeling is that the writing I has vanished. No audience. No echo. That's part of one's death. Not altogether serious, for I correct Roger. Send finally, I hope, tomorrow, and could finish P.H. But it is a fact, 
this disparition of an echo. Sunday, September 29th. A bomb dropped so close I cursed L for slamming the window. I was writing to Hugh, and the pen jumped from my finger. Raid still on. It's like a sheepdog chasing a fox out of the fold. You see them yapping and biting, and then the marauder dropping a bone, a bomb towards New Haven, flies. All clear. Bowls, villagers at their doors, cold. All now become familiar. I was thinking, among other things, that this is a lazy life. Breakfast in bed, read in bed, bath, order dinner, out to lodge. After rearranging my room, turning table to get the sun, church on right, window left, a new very lovely view, tune up with cigarette, write till 12, stop, visit L, look at papers, return, type till 1, listen in, lunch. Sore jaw, can't bite, read papers, walk to Southeast, back three, gather and arrange apples, tea, write a letter, bowls, type again, read Michelet or write here, cook dinner, music, embroidery, 9.30 read or sleep, till 11.30, bed. Compare with the old London day, three afternoons someone coming, one night dinner party. Saturday a walk, Thursday shopping, Tuesday going to tea with Nessa, one city walk, telephone ringing, L to meetings, KM or Robson bothering. That was an average week, with Friday to Monday here. I think, now we're marooned, I ought to cram in a little more reading. Yet why? A happy, a very free, and disengaged. A life that rings from one simple melody to another. Yes. Why not enjoy this after all those years of the other? You'll find links to some of the things we talked about today at WMFAPodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review on iTunes to help new listeners find the show. Have a question or author recommendation? Email me at hello at WMFAPodcast.com. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at CFBallastier or leave a voicemail at 347 685 Today's episode was edited by Andy Cubis. The WMFA logo was created by Unsold Studio, and our theme music is Jazz Dancer by Double Winter. Find them at doublewinter.bandcamp.com. WMFA is part of the Lit Hub Radio Network and is made in Pittsburgh by Courtney Ballastier, LLC. All rights reserved.